Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to It's Not a Crisis. I am your host, Doran Wallach. I'm an entrepreneur, a mother of two, a wife, and a 40-something trying to figure out what is happening in this decade. Why is no one talking about it? I created this podcast to help women in their late 30s and 40s to figure out what is going on in our mind, body, soul, and life. We may laugh, we may cry, we may get frustrated, but most importantly, my goal is to make this next chapter of life positive. I'm also full of my own questions and I'm here to go on this journey with you. So let's do it together. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. I am so happy you're here. And if you're a new listener, welcome. I actually learned this from my friends Kim and Penn, who have taught me a lot about podcasting, to welcome the new people, because I because you do forget that there are people that are just coming in later on. Also, as usual, please subscribe, please rate, review the podcast, share with other women so that we can help other women all over. And I am like beyond excited about my guests today. I could be uh, one of the biggest fans, at least in the in the forty something age range, because <laughs> I tell my friends about Penn and Kim Holderness all the time, and they'll and and not that they don't know who you are, but they will say, uh, "Oh," and I'll, I'll show the YouTube videos, and they're like, "Oh." But but actually, what what my favorite thing is that Penn and Kim do is their podcast. They are incredibly real. They have great guests, but 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 I think they inject so much of who they are as a couple in and parents into each episode that it's just it's so great to hear. But but the funny thing is, I, I'm gonna get into that in one minute, but I'm gonna read the bio, but then I need to tell Kim and Penn, I hope you'll hold on because um I have a I have a little thing to say to you. So in 2013. Penn and Kim hit publish on Xmas Jammies, which I know many people have seen on YouTube, a seemingly innocent video Christmas card intended for their immediate family. Overnight, their video went viral on YouTube, and they've been making goofy videos with their family ever since. My favorite out of those is when my daughter was in the slime stage and you did the slime after slime. It was so great. And I, I showed it to her and was like, and, you know, she didn't think it was funny at the time because she was very into slime. Thank God that stage is over. Seven years later, their videos have resulted in over a billion views and 4.5 million followers across social media. Their family also continues to be one of the most sought after content creators for family brands. Today, they own their own company, Holderness Family Productions, where Kim is chief executive officer and Penn is chief creative officer, as well as creating content for their channels. They also work alongside brands and agencies to shape product launches and marketing campaigns. Their book about improving communication in a marriage will be released spring 2021. And you guys, in your bio, you don't talk about your podcast, and you need to put that in there somewhere because the podcast is amazing. So I'm putting it in there. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Yes, go listen to their podcast. All right, and then I'm going to do a little about both of you because I think it's important to know who you are individually because you don't just come as a, a, a package. So Kim, before Holderness Family Productions, she worked as a correspondent for Inside Edition as well as television news reporter 
In 2008, she began her own business, Green Room Communications, which is now part of the digital marketing agency Walk West. Kim is an entrepreneur at heart. She has most recently co-created a health and wellness on-demand course. And Penn spent almost 18 years, or not almost, you did, 18 years in the television business before being known for dancing in his jammies. He's been a sports director in Colorado and Orlando, a host for HGTV. I didn't know that. Um, a reporter for ESPN, a news anchor in Raleigh. And Penn has experimented with writing a full-length musical, which he hopes to complete one day. And you're ridiculously talented. I saw you in, um, I can't think of the name. What was the play, the, the musical you Rocky were Horror? Yeah, Rocky Horror. You're amazing. Oh, thank um, you. Penn and Kim live in Raleigh with their two children and dog, and I believe Lola now is 14 and Penn Charles is 10, correct? He, he just turned 11, but everything else nailed it. Yeah, this is, impressive. <laughs> this is okay. impressive. They have a new book coming out very soon, very soon. I'm, I'm keep waiting. I'm, I pre-ordered, called Everybody Fights, So Why Not Get Better at It? And I, I read that you were inspired by the book Everybody Poops, which for most of us who have kids the same age, that was one of my kids' favorite books. And, and I want to mention that my kids are 13 and a half and 10 and a half. So for the last several years, Penn and Kim Holderness have done the hard maintenance and research with the help of their marriage coach, Dr. Christopher Edmondson. They break down their biggest and in some cases funniest fights. How did a question about chicken wings turn into a bra fight? No, not a bar fight, a bra fight. How did a roll of toilet paper lead to tears? You guys talk about toilet paper so much. I know. Um, resentment <laughs> and a stint in the guest bedroom. So before I let you two speak, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to make this about me, but there's a reason. So just hang on and listen. I'm going to try really hard not to be one of those cheesy people that admits to having a celebrity couple crush. But I may, I you know, I I I just told uh, Penn and Kim that I may or may not have prepped for this interview more than I did with Vanessa Williams. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Vanessa, uh, but I love these guys. I kind of do have a little bit of a crush on the two of you, and I've <laughs> I've watched many of your videos on YouTube, um, and I love that you just say what we're all thinking, and that's that's who I am as a person. I I'm. You know, I'm, I just am who I am. And if you don't like me, that, that's too bad. I'm sorry. But um, I, I say the things that other people won't say. And uh, I do that on my podcast also. Also, our kids are almost the exact same age and gender. And so I've been following you for so long that I've been growing with you with my kids also. So it's been it's been super helpful. And then I think we're also similar ages, although Penn, I think you're um, younger than Ty, who's 49. Ty is my husband. I tried to get him to come on, but he it, it was a no-go. Anyway, uh, I, I know this sounds super creepy, but I'm also kind of a combination of the two of you. <laughs> that makes any sense. Extrovert. Like, I feel like you're an extrovert. No, well, so so listen, I have ADHD like Penn, and Penn, I just want you to know that I am just addressing this for the first time in my life right now, um, and that was based on my son having ADHD. And by the way, my whole family has ADHD. So you took him in, and then the doctor was like, hey. Hey. No, I was like, did months of research and was like, uh-oh. I, I probably have known my whole life. And I think like you, I've learned to deal with it and, and use my gifts, my creative gifts. But uh, by the way, my I, I found my phone in the garbage can the other day. So, <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's not quite working yet. So I need people around me to fuel me. 
I, I, I hear you when you say like this pandemic has been so hard for you because I, I just, I, I'm the person that will go sit at a bar by myself. I'll go, you know, walk around. I just moved out of New York City in January to the suburbs, um, but I would often, you know, the city really fueled me. Um, and I'm a creative and I'm, I'm stubborn. And I, I know from a fact that you're, you're a little stubborn too. Um, <laughs> and Kim, I have some of your anxiety and OCD, <laughs> which when things are in disarray, it makes me completely anxious and irritable. Um, and I and I really want to commend you for being honest about your issues with anxiety and depression. So few women are open about it, and I think more women need to talk about it. And one of the things I talk about in my show is how anxiety now, as we get older and we're starting perimenopause, it's getting worse. ADHD, by the way, is exasperated with perimenopause too. So that's why it's it's becoming more prevalent to me right now. But I'm like you. I think I'm an extrovert introvert. I often want to run away. I often want to be alone. And in fact, I just got a Tesla <laughs> and it has Netflix in it. So the <laughs> other day, my husband couldn't find me and he, and he came out and I was in the car with a glass of wine watching Netflix. And he's oh like, God. what it are you doing? Like you, were, you were not driving, were you? No, no, I was in the car. I was in the garage. And he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I was hoping you wouldn't figure this out. I need a place. I need a place to just get away from everybody. Oh my gosh. Penn is like going to Google search Tesla at, at yeah. Well, so Kim, <laughs> Kim can't do, she can't do Disney rides that are 3D and she can't do Tesla. It's like this I sort took, of like I, I was a passenger in a Tesla one time and I almost vomited. No, you drove it and you almost vomited. Well, yeah. you know what it is? I think I know what it is because I agree. Uh, when I test drove it, um, the, the braking system, yeah. it, the, it, you can make it so it doesn't break so suddenly. And I didn't know that when I test drove it and they told me. So I agree. It's kind of, but, but, my, but Ty is the same way. Ty, we went to Universal Studios with the kids, by the way, seven days there, which was way too long. Way too long. And uh, in every virtual ride at uh, Universal oh, Studios. I was, I, yeah, I have videos it, of me like vomiting. Well, no, so, so at one point I turned around um, at, during the ride. I smelled something and I, he was with Rex. Um, at the time, who was maybe seven, and and I was like, "Oh, sweetie, did you throw up?" And I just raised his hand. He's like, "Nope, that was me." Yeah, no, I I, have, I take like that's why we're we're planning a trip in June, and we're going for one day, and I'll just be sitting outside of every ride because I can't do it. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. I love your humor. I love your banter. I have a very similar relationship with my husband, and I wanted to mention one other quick thing while I have you here. So, so Penn, I recently heard you talking about Penn Charles having ADHD and he, you, you see a lot of yourself in him. And um, years ago, Kim, I don't know if you remember this, but maybe you had talked about it. And I sent you a message through Instagram of, of Rex, like bouncing off the wall, like rolling off a couch. And, and you were like, yeah, you know, that, that sounds, that looks pretty familiar. But Penn had mentioned that he looks at Penn Charles and he sucks on his shirt. And that was yeah. something that you did, Penn, also. By the way, my son does that. Oh, and wow. he has transferred that to his mask, which is so gross. Oh. So now there's like food in it and, and it's like stained and wet at the end of the day. Um so uh, anyway, and then my daughter, who's 13 and a half, is, you know, super kind, bright, artistic, uh, social, has a lot of friends, but she, um, a lot like you, Kim, requires a lot of alone time and um, is very independent and strong-willed. 
which I know one day will serve uh, her well. Sometimes it's hard. But I loved your advice also. Uh, you had said in one of your podcasts that um, Lola had needed you wanted to do something with her. And she said, no, I, I I actually just, I really just need to do this alone. And this happens very often with my daughter. And occasionally I take offense because she never wants to be with me. Aww. But when you said that, I thought to myself, oh, that's so right. Because she is like that. And I get it, you know, because I, I can be that way too. So yeah, as long as she's not out in a Tesla drinking wine by herself. <laughs> yes. She will be though. Yeah, <laughs> she will be. And I've been married almost 18 years in June. So I, I know a thing or two about marriage. I've been with my husband for 22 years. And just overall, I love your relationship. So I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to talk a little bit about the two of you, um, a little bit about your book. And um, Penn, I want to give you props. You've both worked on your marriage, but I've seen you go from like defensive to I'm going to work on that. And I think that that's what I assume you guys have learned from writing this book and why everybody should read the book and listen to you too, because you really, from somebody on the outside, you have put a lot of work into your marriage. And I commend you because I think today couples find it almost too easy to divorce. And we've all been there. We've all had the moments where we've, we've, We've thought about it this summer <laughs> when I was I was with my husband alone. We were eating dinner, and uh, I couldn't listen to him chew one more minute. I was like, I can't. I li- I have to leave, or you just have to chew somewhere else. You have to go into another room. I can't listen. So I put my AirPods on, and I started swaying. And I was listening to music. He's like, What What are you doing over there? I was like, Oh, I'm in a bar in Barcelona. And I'm listening to music by myself, you know, so I I get it. It's, you know, marriage is hard. Um, And one of the first things you guys wrote was in the beginning of your marriage, you said that um, you didn't understand why people said marriage was work. Everything was great. And we did the same thing. And now we actually laugh. It's sort of a joke between us when we see a new married couple. We're like, oh, so cute. They're so bright eyed and full of hope. And, uh, <laughs> you know, marriage is work, but it's worth the work. So with that being said, that was really, really long. But I just wanted you two to know that I'm not a total stranger to you and that I've paid attention. And um, I really adore what you're doing. And I really do appreciate you. Clearly not a stranger. I, like, that was <laughs> the nicest introduction anyone has ever given what, to us. What thank I, you I, so much. Thank you. You're welcome. It's, you know what it's great to hear is that I do think that like obviously as his wife, I think my husband has evolved in terms of just being receptive to working on the relationship, to owning some of it, to call, you know, to, to doing that work. And he, it really is like, and we are not perfect and we are passengers on this flight, right? Like we still have work to do, but it is true that if you have like watched it, especially if you've listened to the podcast, you can see this evolution within him and me too, obviously. Both of you. Yeah. Um, and so it's nice to hear that, like, it's, you know, that that kind of tone has changed. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I mean when I feel like I'm growing with you. We're just growing together. So let me start with, tell me how you two met. In a bar, super classy. I was a television news reporter in Orlando at the CBS station. He was a sports guy at the Fox station. And local news is really incestuous. So no matter what market you live in, all the reporters go out for drinks afterwards. Like everybody knows everybody. So we actually met after like a, you get off at like midnight too. 
but he was dating somebody and I was dating somebody. And I thought his name was Ben, like with a B, like I didn't, I couldn't really hear him. <laughs> and later, like months later, he had broken up with girlfriend or she broke up. I, I forget. I don't know what happened. Details. We were single. I saw him do the worm on stage and I was like, that man is mine. Back off ladies. And, and that was kind of it. Like we, I, I would say within a month of like, talking. We're like, this is it. Right. And it was like nothing dramatic. We're like, yeah, like you're prop, you're the one. Right. And so we were like engaged within a year and married nine months later. Cause it was just like, Oh, cause it was like so easy. And that's what, that's what was surprising to me is because when we were dating, it was so easy. Like it was just easy. And then people would say, Oh, but marriage is hard. I'm like, how could this ever be hard? He's so hot and we're all over each other. Like <laughs> we laugh all the time. And he so, break dances. And he, yeah, and he break dances and he sings karaoke. Like what could ever be hard about this? So I read that he also made you a mixtape, which by the way, I would have been done at that I point. Mean, <laughs> so we talked on the phone for a while first. Um, and then before our first date, so we like for weeks, we would just like have phone dates. And then he picked me up for first date and he had made me a mixtape, which I'm sure I have saved. I need to find it. But yeah, I mean, done. Do you I mean, remember what was on that mixtape? Do you remember anything? A couple of songs. Yeah. Like I was on, the, I was on this big Scrubs kick, which was this old show on NBC. Uh-huh. And Zach Braff had really good music. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And so like, and he was a big fan of Colin Hay, who was the front man from Men at Works. There are at least two songs from him. I, did, I didn't get I super the, corny. The luckiest from Ben Folds. Oh, yeah, I did some Ben Folds. Oh, yeah, that one was a little harsh. I like, know, that but was that was heavy duty. It was heavy duty. It was basically all of all of the songs were like very, like if my middle school self had heard that from a guy, I'd be like, oh, we're definitely getting married. But it was like a I want to marry you mixtape. It was super serious. How soon was this after you started dating? It was our first date, but we'd already been talking on the phone for several weeks showed up with a mixtape on date one. And I was like, well, I'm a sure thing at this point. Like, let's just do this. And then it escalated quickly. It escalated quickly. And then like literally, I think two weeks later we were talking and it was like, um, I think you're it. And he's like, yeah, I love you and you love me and we're it. Okay, cool. And it was like, what do you want for dinner? And then it was like, that's how easy it was. (laughs) Oh, that's so amazing. I love that. And so you, I feel like that's just so the two of you. So tell me why you decided to write this book. It's not like you don't have other things to do right now in your <laughs> life. I don't know how, when you say you get overwhelmed, Kim, I mean, honestly, like, I, you know, I have two businesses and two kids. I don't, I don't know how you do it without being constantly anxious. You guys are doing a lot. I'm glad to know that you now have a little bit more help, but at the same right. time, it, it's a lot. So, so what, what did, made you decide to write this book? I'm going to first answer the like the overwhelm thing and yes, how it is please. because we definitely and I just want to put this out there for anybody who wants to create content or grow a business or even just like manage a house is that we finally and maybe too late but finally got help and so we have people that are we have two full-time people that work with us right now and that helps us be productive so at this point we can shoot a video And Penn still edits a lot of our videos, but like somebody else is editing them. Somebody else is like getting all that. There's all this SEO stuff. Like I can write a blog and send it to them and they find a picture and post it. Like there's so much work now. We're able to be productive doing what we're good at because we have this great team that 
can do all that other stuff. Well, but and you know what? It's it's frustrating sometimes when someone's like, "How do you do it all? How do you do it all?" And no, you're like, and I, you don't. The answer is like, you no don't do it all, and like you don't. Yeah. We have a production assistant, Desmond, who comes in two days a week, which with COVID has been kind of hard. But now we're he's in with a mask, and we're we're like not in the same room with him. But like he helps us set up the shoots, and he helps us like get stuff together. And if he's not doing that, he's like, "Oh, dude, you're out of." toilet paper. Let me go run to Target. So we have somebody who's like, so I don't do it all because I have help. So just putting that out there. But in terms of the book, I think that came out of a place of enough people watching our videos saying, you guys are couple goals. You're so perfect. That's the sort of relationship I went with my husband. I'm like, you guys no. like we've been through counseling. Like we've like, no, we're not. Don't set your sights on us as like the North star. So I think the goal was to be able to provide a realistic look about some principles that transformed our, our marriage. And these communication principles were just, it was so easy. And these things that we adopted and the way we talked to each other and our relationship changed. And we would talk to our friends about it and people started coming to us for advice and we were able to hand out advice all of a sudden. And so we felt like if we put this in a book form, this obviously wasn't going to be like a jazz hands video that we could put on Facebook. So it needed the nuance of a book. And so we pitched it as an idea of like, Hey, we can just take the 10 fights every couple has, which is like, you know, I do everything. You do nothing. You spend too much money. We're not having enough sex. Like those fights break them down through like our honest stories of what those fights looked like within our marriage. And then with the help of our like marriage counselor, kind of talk like how we got out of that and how we deal with that now. And I'm guessing the book is very straight to the point because I don't think Penn with your ADHD, you'd be able to read the whole thing if it wasn't. Yeah. I'm, ho- I'm hoping, I'm hoping because yeah. when I'm, I read it, I have a hard time. I read like seven books at once. I can't like, well, I really the audible, <laughs> like the, the audio book for this is going to be fun. Like we had a lot of fun recording it. And so it bounces back and forth, which is great for people who have ADHD. Also just, you know, while we're talking about my brain, Um, And you mentioned before that I have kind of gone from defensive to being an ambassador for this. And one of the reasons that that happened was because it, it, the book doesn't really should you to death about things that you really should be doing. In fact, we tell you that should is a terrible word when you're talking to anybody. I'm one of these, the way that my brain works is I do really well with facts and data and science. (laughs) Um, My favorite books are science fiction. I like physics. I like things that make sense to me. And the way that Christopher presented it to us and also through our research, there are facts about the human brain and our hormones that impact the way that you talk to people and why you get into fights. So I think that people with ADHD will love that too. Like a couple of nuggets. When you get into a fight with someone, the sympathetic nervous system triggers as if you were a caveman in a fight with a saber-toothed tiger. It gets to the point where you stress out and you're too angry to even speak correctly. Like the broken area of your brain breaks down. Uh, another like scientific fact is that novelty releases dopamine, releases the pleasure center of your brain. Which so, is why in the beginning of our yeah. relationship, we had our hands all over each other because it was new and it was exciting. But then you're married, you're 
for a couple decades and you're like, eh. Yeah, that's, <laughs> but, but that's science. That's like, yeah. you can look at that and say, oh, well, that's not why we're doing it three times a day anymore. You also, you also see a lot of stuff over those years that, that make you not so sexy you anymore. <laughs> you see a lot. You do. It's so funny. Yeah. yeah, like your husband will be naked bending over to pick something up and that's not a good look for a guy. <laughs> so not. So, so um, not. And, then, and then he has seen all the lady bits during labor and delivery and he right. really to watch all of it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to see it. Yeah, I went south it. of the equator. But by the way, Kim, do you feel like as you get old, I feel like as I get older, my nighttime routine gets longer and more in depth. So I was in bed the other night with my blue light glasses on. I now have no feeling from my elbow to my fingertips. I don't know what that's related to. Oh, so dude. I was wearing um, braces on my <laughs> arms. I, I, I get pimples now, which I never got in my life. So I have like pimple cream on. Oh, and I had just, I started using this <laughs> nasal irrigator called Navage, <laughs> which by the way is amazing. It's called Navage. I, I like wish I could promote it. Um, and, and he had just walked out of the bathroom and he got in bed. He's like, you are so hot these days. <laughs> yeah, we have a similar look at night. And, I, and then to top it off recently, I did one of those like foot masks. And oh, so I did too. I just did that. Like the skin are just coming off in chunks on my it's feet. It's so gross. It's so disgusting. And then like I would say nightly, we look at each other and just laugh. Uh-huh. Like what have we, because we're both like reading. And at one point he had like a retainer. He was doing Invisalign. And then he has these things he has to stick up his nostril so he doesn't snore. I mean, it is. And then oh, yeah. My, my husband sleeps with a CPAP machine, so that's hot, too. I'm just like a mix of, like, <laughs> face cream. And, yeah, it's it's a good look. And you're wondering, like, why don't we have enough sex? You're like, this is why. This, <laughs> is, exact, this is exactly why. Right. Right. Well, that was a good point to bring up. I, I already know. From reading for the first chapter, I read it very easily. It's a very easy read. And, um you, I love your little notes. That you, do you do that in the real book, or is that just for no, <laughs> the first chapter? But I will say that the audible is kind of like that. The audible is kind of yeah. like that. We kind of give the stories behind the stories, but then for the book, book, yeah. I mean, we and how the process of writing it. It's hard to write a book with your spouse because we would basically decide on what the fight was going to be, and then we would give our perspectives on it, and then break it down. But it is, it does change voices, so it does keep things moving. And we are hoping. Listen, it's it is a departure for us because people are used to like the music videos and the funny skits and even the podcasts. But when it comes down to it, like a, it, it's not it's not super serious. But we are talking about some heavy topics in this book, so. I don't even know if people are going to be receptive to this, but the, I hope that people who have no idea who we are on Facebook or Instagram would pick this up and it would be a benefit because it really like the stuff, like the, we keep it so simple. Like we literally have scripts and tell you exactly what to say in situations. And it's worked for us. I am one of those people that if I like something I tell everybody and they listen to me. So um, I'm sure that not saying that that, that's going to make a difference in your book sales. But when I genuinely believe in something and love it, I'm the same way is that if I find like a water bottle I love that is like made drinking water easier and like I drink more water now because of it, I want to go on Instagram and tell everybody about it. And so I found out these things that changed the dynamic of our marriage. I'm like, I want to tell people about it. Yeah. Yeah. Can I jump in really quickly? Yeah. 
Why is there? Why are there so many water bottles? And can't people just drink water by putting it no, in a cup? Like this can't. is an insane needs, thing that's going on in our society. We need to. Right it is. Been, you <laughs> need to drink more water. You have a thousand water bottles. My daughter has a water bottle obsession. No, if we same with Lola. Well, like our fourteen-year-old. If you go into our room right now, there's twenty-seven water bottles. Yes, but. For me, it, it's because I just don't – I would rather just drink like <laughs> not water all day and you need to drink water. And so we need to find like the perfect one that keeps it cold but not too cold. But then I want to like have us makes it easy. And he would just – he's like, get a cup. I'm like, no, I need Put to have it. Sink and then drink it. I know. I just want it to like be like easy and accessible and I can carry it around and it's a thing. Yeah. And, and it makes know. her happy. It makes her happy. Apple's going to make – Apple's going to make a water bottle that's a dongle that like attaches to your watch or something. It's yes. Really <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to buy it. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually it. like the worst person for the environment whatsoever because I drink out of core bottles all day because I really like core water. I, I feel like it's doing something for me, but um, okay, I, 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 it's not, I, I should drink out of water bottles, but I, I feel like it's like one more thing to clean. So I, I don't. So, okay, here, here's something I'm really interested. I would love to know from the two of you, how are you two similar and how are you two different and how has that been a challenge? That's a great question. Uh, we're both pretty ambitious people. I think that's a start. Like we have, we both have very lofty goals and we approach them in a very different way. I would say we both work pretty hard. And I think we both value fam, our family, like our little family above all. I think we both have designed our lives to make being around and involved in our family a priority. Uh, And I know that's a huge privilege. And I know that it's like not accessible and attainable for everyone, but we've designed it because it's a priority for us. And I think different, I mean, we're we're different with everything else. Everything else. Literally everything else. else We're different. Like he could eat spaghetti in bed at midnight and sleep great. He can fall asleep so easily. And it's so annoying to me. Oh man. Um, Yeah. He's, yeah. He'd be in the biggest fight ever and they're out while you're talking. I know. And then he's, He's kind of a slob. I am like diagnosed OCD, um, like literally every other way we're different. But I think that's what makes it, it our particular crazy work. But I think we have like the core of who we are. We're like, we're very the same. And and with your differences, how how would you say, well, I'm, I'm sure you talk about it in your book, but how has that been a challenge in overcoming that over the years? Well, it's been a challenge when you look at the other person and you see that they're different and you say, well, why can't you just be more like this? Yeah. Um, so a huge point of discovery in the book and really in my life has been, oh, I, I'm not here to change you. I, I think Kim discovered this too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm here to help you. I'm here to be patient with you. And if you're the person who has the problem Hey, I'm the person who has to actually work at this. My wife may not have to work at this. I've got to work at listening to you. I've got to work at doing dishes. But but finding the differences, acknowledging them, and then do, like realizing like, okay, this isn't my strong suit. I have to work at it. And Kim has some of those things as well that she has to work at, but I'm not going to say it out loud because that's part of what I learned in the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that w- what has been really obvious is that, for example... If we have a video go super duper 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 viral, so I think like when they go, when they do well on our little page, it's great. Love it. Because the community that's been created there, I love it. But when they get, like we had this one, like baby, it's cold outside. 
it was a couple of years ago and it was around, you know, the Me Too movement. And it was really just like a redo of that song in a way that felt appropriate, more appropriate to <laughs> times. They got like 75 million views. And with that, it got the, the comment section turned like there was like violence being threatened against people. And it just became so Penn doesn't see like I just got sucked into the comments. Right. And I spiraled and I was like, we should delete this. It's upsetting people. It's and it wasn't upsetting people like the comments, like on both sides where they were like attacking each other in the comment section. And Penn's like, what? 75 million views. Let's go out and party. And he's like, you should just be happy. And I'm like, okay, no, this is not how I'm wired. So that it has become, he knows now, like he's not going to change my reaction or my feelings on something. And that's also been huge. Like he's can just be my cheerleader. He can just remind me he's not going anywhere, but he's not going to try to, and he can help me if I'm like in the middle of an anxiety attack, he knows how to help me and what's going to help me at that time. But he knows like, he's not going to say like, you should just be happy. You should just, because he, he can't do that. On the same note though. And Kim, I think you'll admit you'll, you'll agree with this. Your, your anxiety sometimes leads to like behaviors that you have to work at in order to get up to, up to par. Like you're, just like I have to work on my ADHD, you have to work on how to how to make your anxiety fit. Right. Like, because we don't like you can't. It's not good for me just to sit. In, I mean, there are days where I sit in bed all day, but no, like you have I have to come up like I have this whole like wellness routine based on uh, my mental health. And if I don't do that, things don't get done. And and speaking from somebody who has both of those things, <laughs> I can say that my husband actually also has both of those things but 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 keeps it all inside and i think he's like recently realized just how bad his anxiety is but he just holds it all in no one would ever believe it if they ever met him so i think he's getting more in touch with himself and has has started to kind of learn a little bit about me but the problem is anxiety also leads to irritability which by the way pen when you're in your 40s you also have perimenopause hormones running through your body, which also makes you anxious Are you and irritable. Excited, honey? Tell, tell me more about this, please. <laughs> yeah. I have about three podcasts on it. So okay. if you honestly, truly, if you're I, I made my husband, I, I interviewed the um head of women's uh mental health and reproductive health, sorry, at Mass General Hospital. He actually is a doctor I have worked with. And uh, I made my husband listen to it uh, because I think it's a really hard thing to explain to a man that sometimes we are just completely out of control of our anxiety and out of control of our irritability. And it's not so easy just to turn it on and off. And it's really something that's real. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of doctors don't look at it as real for women our age. And this is one of the things I'm trying to bring such awareness to because, uh, after people listen to that episode, they're like, thank you for, make me, for making me be seen. And a lot of people had said, I made my husband listen to this. So I think even, I think that alone, understanding that about Kim will help you greatly in, not to give you guys a therapy session here, but, but will help you greatly in um, being more patient. But it's hard. My husband, it's been hard for him. Yeah, I would say like Penn gets an A plus for like not trying to change that part of me. I didn't, just, I didn't used to get an A plus. No. I didn't, like I didn't used to understand this. Yeah. 
he um he now I mean, well, COVID honestly, it's been it's been super tough um as an introvert and not ha- ever having alone or time away from people. But the beauty has been like, listen, there's not a weekend where it's like in 47 places to go. Like I kind of have loved that part of the pandemic. And so when we're talking about getting vaccinated, because in our state, Penn, you know, can get vaccinated now. And so as we get vaccinated and talk about like it is now we can safely get together with people. I'm like, ooh, I don't know. But Penn knows. He's like, okay, we'll do baby steps. Like, we'll just like we'll baby step this. We'll make sure it's safe. Everybody's comfortable. We'll start small. So whereas I think I think. 10, 10 years ago would have been like, let's have a party and let's have, you know, 50 people over. And he knows that like, he just needs to be gentle with me. And he is. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And and you're aware when he needs to just go out with friends and do his thing. 100%. And I, yeah, tennis was one of those things that early on they said is very safe. And so he loves playing tennis. So he's been playing tennis this whole time. Um, with his friends. And I think were it not for that, I don't. I'd be really mopey. He'd be really mopey. I'm still right? a little bit mopey. This is. This so is so am I. We all are. I mean, yeah, it's, I, mean it's, it's I think you just have to say this sucks. Yeah, oh. it does suck. Yeah. And by the way, Kim, I'm like you too, in the sense that I liked the slowdown a little bit. And I don't want to go back to the degree that I was doing before. I've changed so much in my life. Anyway, okay. So um, what are your biggest pet peeves that each of you do? Oh, good. Um, <laughs> do you want to start, honey? You have a longer list than me. No. Um, I would say he he's a big person. My husband, he's six foot five. And he leaves his, his really big shoes. And he leaves his shoes everywhere. And so where he just would like walk into a room, take off his shoes and then walk into a new room and take off his shoes. And when we lived in New York City in a tiny apartment, there was like 50 square feet of just shoes just taken up by shoes. So I think there's like and and then I probably annoy him by picking up the shoes and putting them where they belong. So when he goes back to find the shoes, he has to get, it's like a whole vicious cycle with the shoes. Because he has ADHD and he likes to see everything and know exactly where they are. So if they're put away... Yeah. He doesn't know where they are. I, I never thought of it that way. You're totally, you're totally right. I think he wants to see them all at all times. And so, whereas I don't want to see shoes. So I think there's like, that could, that's kind of a theme for like what happens in our house. Be, like, is it laundry or just general, like his office, he has like kind of an office space and he could like, honestly, it could just be covered with I mean, he's, he could be gross and he, he's so creative. Like he kind of feeds off that. Whereas if I walk up there, I'm like, oh my God, I can't even be in here right now. There's so much stuff everywhere. So pet peeves, pen. This is going to sound weird. I, I, she doesn't do a lot of things that annoy me because she's very sweet. My biggest pet peeve for Kim is that she has so many pet peeves for me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, don't, that's not passive aggressive. I'm being hundred percent honest. Like I'm trying to go to bed and like, sometimes I'll bring like a, sandwich up with me or sometimes I'll bring like a glass of water up with me and sometimes I'll be like typing emails to people because I've been editing all day and I haven't had time and I want to like oh the typing noise though what is but she typing noise but it's not like she can't she doesn't like me typing she doesn't (laughs) like me chewing she actually chewing in bed I I get the snoring but this really happened a couple (laughs) of weeks ago 
she, she was like, you kept me up all night. I'm like, I'm sorry. Was I snoring? She goes, no, but you were breathing really loud. And I don't know what to do about that. I, like, I can't hold my breath. So my biggest pet peeve is that she has too many pet peeves. Okay, this is so funny because this is such a common conversation between couples. My husband wears a CPAP machine. The poor guy had his um, – because he snored. And for years I thought it was my problem that I couldn't sleep. And do you know what a uvula is? Because not a lot of it's people know. Yeah, yeah, the little thing, thing that dangles that. down. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's the dongle. So he he went to a doctor and they said it's too long and we have to shorten it. And oh. it was – uh, the the worst thing I ever saw. I, I I felt so guilty. They had to basically fry it off. He lost um, twenty pounds, and he's six two and like you know normal shape. Didn't swallow anything? It was awful. Boy, did I feel guilty about that one. But then you know now he wears a CPAP machine, which I you know he he's like I don't know if I sleep better with it. Um, if you're not here, but I complain because the CPAP machine makes noises or the yeah. CPAP, it, it'll wheeze sometimes or it'll make a noise. And he's like, what do you want me to do? Anytime I bring up Penn snoring, they're like, he should get a sleep study, which he should probably do. But I, I'm afraid of the CPAP machine because at that point, then we're definitely in separate rooms. <laughs> yeah, I try to I, I make him put it on after the lights are out. And then, you know, I say goodnight and then he puts it on. <laughs> see a minute. No, but not, not the visuals of it. Not the yeah. visuals of it. It's the, the sound. sound. Of it. No. Oh yeah, no, no. they're yeah, quiet now. Yeah. They're, they're... There's a light, like a tiny little red light. I know. I, I am. You have. To, he is really sweet, but I am <laughs> the worst person. I need it pitch black. I can't hear a sound. Like I have a white noise app that I use. I'm I, the most high maintenance. I have speaker. a curfew. I have to be in my room by ten o'clock, or else I've woken her up. Yeah. Like I, I'm the most high maintenance, terrible person to be in bed with. So <laughs> thank you, Penn. Um, I sleep with a weighted blanket, two pillows, and then a blanket on top of that on my legs at night. And yep. where I, until recently, Ty was actually had to tuck me in because my legs had to be because oh had to be like weighted down. Right. So, so question: Have you bought the sweat lodge sleeping bag yet that Kim has? Well, I, I haven't. I've seen you in that. I don't like. To, I don't like that feels too confining to me. Well, I don't sleep in it, but it is no, but, like a sweat sesh. It's good. Yeah, no, I my sister-in-law does that. I I don't like to be hot, so I don't I haven't done that, but I have done the infrared booths the one before the covid. I I did those and those were actually really nice. It, I I am so with you. Ty just finished writing a book. He's in finance, but he just wrote a young adult fiction novel. Oh, fun. He's, yeah, he's super creative and I've been pushing him for years. But every night, tap, 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 tap in bed next to me. And I'm like, you have to go do that somewhere else. I cannot listen to you typing. I know. I, I think it's like it triggers like this, like we're working response, right? And even if he's just typing or texting with friends, I'm like, I, I, this is a place where that doesn't happen. It's like a reading or sexy time place. It's not a workplace. I want to know more about the the YA novel. Is it like a, is it like a fourteen year old young girl in a dystopian future who who finds her talents and grows into a woman? Uh, uh, no, okay. um, but it is about a young group of kids in New York City. Oh, that's who, cool. It's about um, genetic memory. Ooh. It's actually it's really good. I, I when I read it, I forgot that he wrote it, and I was like, "Wow, honey, I'm really proud of you." So now he has it. He's circling it around to a bunch of our friends that are authors and um, and then just to get opinions and then he's going to go back in and then. That's really so cool. I'm That's really proud really of him because cool. he's very creative, but he's in finance and there's this creative side of him that needs to be let out. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's exciting. Yeah. Okay. So I want you to explain to me, Kim, what the I love you finger is, because does that mean that you give the finger and it and and Penn knows it means I love you? Or do you give the finger and say, I love you? Okay. So the I love you finger for people who don't know me is the middle finger. And so I, growing up, my mother gave me this. It's so funny. She basically said, like, when people are being mean to you or rude to you, just put your hands in your pocket and then, like, you can shoot them the bird in the pocket. And I've done that so many times. But then acts and, and just in our family, we would as a joke and like even to pen if the kids are turning around and he says something that's like kind of a dig at me and we'll out of love and a laugh, I'll give him the I love you finger. So never, never do I give it when I'm super mad at you. If I'm mad at you, I'm not going to give you that. It's the I love you so much go to hell finger. Yeah. Does that explain how we use it? Uh, I, the best way to say that, no, the, I love you finger is you passive aggressively saying, I love you. <laughs> yeah. It's not really an, I love you finger. It's a sweet G rated way in a book to say that she gave someone the finger. This is like, here's the thing. Kim is a very loving, sweet person. So when she does it, it has extra weight. An extra meaning. Well, yeah, I don't so, say like, I love you. Here's the middle finger. It's like, you just did something that was really annoying, but I still love you. Yeah. Here you go. That's a really nice yes. way to do it. So yes. I told Ty about this because in the beginning of our relationship, very early on, I said, F you to him. And he looked at me and he said, don't ever, ever swear at me again. I would never disrespect you that way. And I hope you never do it again. And I was like, whoa, because he's he can be pretty passive. And uh, and I was like, oh God, that's kind of my favorite word, but okay. And then, and then I really in in all these years have never said it again. I've wanted to. So I saw your I love you finger and I asked permission last night. I said, can I start using the I love you finger now? Now that I've now that it's been 18 years and I haven't said the what other did he thing. Say? <laughs> he said, Well, if you're saying I love you when you give me the finger, then that's okay. I'm like, no, 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 that's not the point. I'm like, <laughs> I always well, want to give I, you the finger. <laughs> so I love that he put those boundaries up though, because like we kind of have our rules of war too. And that's one of them. Is yeah. like, of course we we swear, but like not at each other. We don't name call when we're fighting. Like there's some certain rules that we, that for us that, yeah. because I think, yeah, some people can, they don't, they don't use that term. They don't like weight that the same way. But if I think, yeah, to hear that out of somebody you love, I get it. So I love that he put those boundaries up. I do too. I, I I respected him a lot, and to this day, I do for it. I'm a very expressive person, so sometimes and and maybe a little re, um, reactive. So, uh, I, I, something again, I have worked on over the years of my marriage. So, so and and you know the, the title of your book, everybody fights. Everybody fights. I actually, I am in a marriage where we rarely fight, and we've we've actually worked on fighting over the years because neither of us likes confrontation. We'd both just rather brush it under the rug and not deal with it. And over the years, I've realized, we both realized how unhealthy that actually is. And uh, it, it is important to fight. And so I think I'd love to hear what, tell me about, if you can, I'm, I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but what's a fight that you had uh, that may have been one of your bigger fights? And then what's one of your dumbest fights that you had? <laughs> How did you resolve those two? 
I'm sure there are a lot. There sure. A, there's a lot. And by the way, I don't think you're alone to say like you haven't fought, but I think you've probably learned that fight and ev- fights look different for everybody. It's not necessarily that you're screaming, right? It's just that you, but I think when you learn fighting is a love language and you learn more about each other when you can really have those conversations about what your boundaries are, what your vulnerabilities are. Like you, you can learn so much more about your partner and be a better partner through like this conflict, even just, you know, mild conflict, biggest fights. I, I still think our biggest fight that we had while we were writing this book was, um, it could have been so easily avoided. So it also might double as the dumbest fight. I mean, looking back at it and having written this book, all of the bites seem dumb in retrospect now that we have the tools to kind of keep it from escalating. But we were in um, a pretty stressful time during Christmas where like my parents who both have dementia, one of them has it pretty bad. The other one is catching up rapidly. We were having to like move them out of a home and into another home and sell their stuff. It was just this crazy awful long goodbye that you give to your family members. And Kim was stuck helping me out with it too, because, you know, she treats them like they're her parents as well. And we were about to get on the other end of it. And I was feeling lonely and um, I had not had sex in a while. And I was just moody and crappy and all this stuff. And we were in church. And instead of saying, oh my gosh, I feel lonely and I feel sad. And I like really want to have some time with you. For some reason, I said, you've been acting really kind of snippy lately. That's what I said. That's what came out of my mouth instead of how I was feeling. And it ballooned into a massive drag out fight that made its way out of the church into a car over to a concert we were going to back into the house until finally I was able to tell her how I felt. Um, And if I'd led with that, it would have been fine. But I projected on you and I told her, you've been acting blank. Well, what was the point where you realized that you maybe should have explained that a different way? And obviously, by the way, you were going through and are going through an extraordinarily hard time. I'm really sorry. I think so. We were at like on a scale of like one to 10. We were peaking at like a stress level 12. And it was really hard. And I, I think that my... Penn's love language, like he needs to be like, he's a physical touch. He is a words of affirmation. Like he needs to like have that kind of like contact and that sort of like, and we just hadn't, we'd been neglecting that. So it's not like he was, he, he felt lonely, but he, he was looking, he was asking me without asking me in ways like that whole week, like he wanted to connect. He wanted to have conversation. And I was like, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And so when he said, you've been really snippy, he wasn't lying. I had been snippy. (laughs) So I blew up. So basically we were in this church and we were just like, basically like doing that hushed, like scream at each other. It was like, I can't believe it. I I was like, can you not believe it? No, she was like, I was trying to say she's been kind of sick. No, and it's weird. No, no, it's G. Look, I pay attention to Jesus. Jesus Come on, Jesus. Jesus over there. And so, and then it got, we were screaming at each other, and like I felt very, I felt like attacked. I'm like, I've been doing all this stuff for your family. And da, 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 da. And yeah, so, so you went I, over the top a little bit. I went over the top. We were screaming at each other for like hours. And like the kids were at the top of the stairs, like, are mommy and daddy going to get divorced? And then finally, he's like, I feel lonely. And then it was like, oh my God. And that just stopped. The, the, the fight stopped. I remember you just looked at me and you said, and it was like such a news term. You said, lead with that. I was like, if you would have led with that, that's a different conversation. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're totally right. I'm like, I, and up until that point, I took no responsibility for how I, I had been acting. 
and in the partnership. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Like you've been asking to like have a date night. You've been asking to just have like a quiet night on the couch with a glass of wine and have a conversation. Like you've been asking this stuff and I've been like, I've been saying, no, I'm too busy. So yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, so the conversation, the tone, it like melted. And if he had like led with that, um, we could have had a really productive conversation. And so that's when that, I mean that, so that was a huge turning point for, I think both of us. Mm -hmm. And just in terms of, we haven't had a fight that big since. And that was over a year ago and it was while we were writing the book, while we were writing the book, but it was like real concrete, again, data, concrete evidence. Like if I had a time machine, and I just changed my words. I would have gotten so much more accomplished. And they mean the same thing. Just one of them is respectful and one of them is not. But listen, both I give you both credit for that whole situation because you were both going through a lot. As it's somebody who's been a caregiver for somebody, um, I know how stressful that is. Forget about the fact that it was the holidays and a pandemic. It's very easy to just kind of blurt something out when you're hurting inside. But the fact that you guys came back around, that's huge. And that's you know, that could have escalated to a place of resentment and not ever gotten resolved. So you clearly have come a long way in that way. And, and I commend you for that. Well, thank you. And I would say also that something I've learned from something that Penn has always been good at and that I have always sucked at is that he's really resilient in our fight and our fights or with his interaction with humans in general. Like, once we really do, once we really have a conversation and it ends in a good place, he's done. Whereas I typically like to hang on to things and resent people for eternity. So it is like, it, I, that is work I've had to do of like, okay, now we're done. Now we're moving on. Like this has been, we're going to remember what we took out of this. Like we're going to remember why this escalated and how we got out of it. But then after that, we're done. Like, I'm not going to be offended by this anymore. He's going to forgive me. I'm going to forgive him. And that's been like a huge, that's been a huge learning curve for me. Because I can, I've like, if holding a grudge was an Olympic sport, like I would be the gold medalist. Yeah, I, I, I hear you on that one. That's a hard thing to, to do. I, I do think as, I think as we go into our 40s, it, it, you start to learn that it's, not worth doing that as much mm -hmm. as as time gets a little bit less. But um, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's very hard to stop doing that. What um, I don't want to give away your book because I want everybody to read it. But tell me one or two things that you've learned through therapy together over the years and writing this book that has made you too stronger. If there were two things that stuck out prominently to you. Well, this is, I'm going to tee up Kim for this one. But when you go into therapy, you think that you're talking about one thing, which is your marriage, but really you're talking about two people going together through one thing. And so, so the, I, I don't know if, I don't know if our therapist said this or if Kim said this and then our therapist explained it, but uh, you do not complete me is one of my favorite things that I've learned about that. Yeah. I mean, that's, no, that was, that that was a Kim. <laughs> well, I, I just think that I, I think there's so many people that have this expectation and me too, probably that like, once I find the right partner, life will be great. Once I do this, life will be great. And I think with my mental health struggles, I was expecting, I was putting a lot of pressure on this partnership 
that like, well, I'm in a happy marriage. Like I'm happy. Like why, why don't I feel good? Why don't, why am I not happy now? Um, because I have this like wonderful person with me. So I think that it just acknowledging that, yes, the, the, we needs to be better. Like the me, the, we needs to be stronger than me. Like we're better together. But if I don't work on my own shit and if I don't, if I come to the table, like expecting him to fix me, like we're going to get nowhere. Yeah. The thing I've learned the most, and I know this is going to sound like I'm made of circuits and wires, but data and strategies. I mean, we talked about it a little bit before, but the the strategy of meta communicating, which is, you know, like talking about the fight that you just had and going over everything that's gone on around your day. We just talked about it in that church. Like what was going on when you were fighting? Were you hungry? Were you tired? A big one is had you been drinking, you know, did something happen to you that day? Did you take enough time to deescalate? Did you take deep breaths? Did you let that part of your um, nervous system that surrenders during a fight normalize so that you can talk about it? So the science and math and data of it that we got from counselors and also from research, like that sticks with me. And maybe that's a guy thing. I don't know, but it really helps you pick up the book and keep reading it. Well, and that's what like, so we know personally, like we're not going to engage in a, like an, a disagreement or a conflict at nine thirty at night. Cause yeah. I'm an early riser. So I go to bed early. So like, we're not going to start that. We will go to bed angry and that's totally fine. And that's how we roll. And like, we know we're not going to get anywhere like during the month of December. Cause of the, it's typically really busy with holiday school. Our work is typically busy there. We're not going to be the best versions of ourselves then. So we cut ourselves and incredible slack. We're yeah. not going to really try to engage or over something so crazy. I, th- I think that's that's great to learn. And I'm glad that you said that you can go to bed mad. That I think that came from our parents' generation. And sometimes you, it's just not the time, you know, it really isn't to start working something out or, I, you know, and, and the, the other, like, don't go to bed without saying I love you. Well, sometimes you don't want to say I love you. Well, if you just got to fight. Cream, I don't know if you could look at me with my face cream and my like weird plastic foot socks where I'm like trying to like slough off half of my skin on my feet. If you could look at me and say like, well, no, I look, I love you. She still looks kind of cute with all that stuff on. <laughs> well, I loved having you guys here. Thank you so much. I really, I hope at some point in life we can meet because um, I really do think we'd like each other. And I, I, I'm excited to, I actually, I might now, I, I ordered your, by the way, I ordered your book in paper and Kindle. And now oh, I'm, and now I'm going to get the audio book because I, because I love your podcast so much. And my attention deficit, I think the Audible will be great. And tell everybody, obviously, I will post this everywhere. Um, Tell everybody where they can find the book, where they can find you, what your channels are, etc. Well, if you just put the Holderness family into any sort of search engine, most (laughs) of the stuff will pop up. That's our handle on Instagram. That's our handle on Facebook and YouTube. There is a website called everybodyfightsbook.com. But that'll pop up when you Google our name as well. Our last name is spelled like wilderness, but with H, like with a ho, like H-O at the beginning. That's the best way to know how to spell it. And um, yeah, go nuts. And on your book page, you can actually download the first chapter, which yep. is great because that uh, that got me excited to read the rest. So I would and, – and they write these cute – I mentioned this before. They write these cute little notes uh, next to things that they wrote in the book and um, just makes you feel like a part of it. 
makes you, it makes it more personal. So thank you guys again. And um, it was just so wonderful having you here. And I think that just listening to you, I think you're going to help a lot of couples to think about how they work on their own marriage. And also, by the way, before I listened to your podcast, I too was one of those people that was like, wow, they have such a, their kids are perfect and they're perfect and their marriage is perfect. And um, it's good to know that you're not. No, (laughs) not at all. Okay. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you you so much for listening. Remember to give yourself permission and know that you are not alone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reviews are always appreciated. And you can reach me by email at it's not a crisis at Gmail, Instagram, it's not a crisis podcast. And please join our Facebook group as well. Until next time, just remember, it's not a crisis.